This program is made possible by the friends and partners of Unspeakable Joy TV. This morning, I want you to take your Bibles and I want you to go to the book of Matthew, the very first book of the New Testament. And we're going to go to the very first verse of the New Testament. And we're going to go to the very first words of the New Testament. We're getting into Christmas and we're looking into... Everybody's running around and the, the real grind of the holiday season is upon us. But I want us to go back to the beginning here. In Matthew chapter 1, verse number 1, the Bible says, The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. The New Testament is about to open. It's been 430 years of prophetic silence. Ever since Malachi closed the last chapter of the last words of the Old Testament, God has not spoken in four and a half generations. Four and a half centuries have come and gone. God's been nowhere to be found. Four and a half generations have slid by hoping without nothing. But then all of a sudden, out of the chasm of oblivion, God speaks. And this is what He says. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ. Matthew writes, and Matthew writes from the perspective of trying to give the, the, the appearance that Jesus is the King of the Jews. Now, in our modern-day culture, royalty is not a big deal. But back in these days... Royalty had a massive pomp about it. Every time a king would come through town back in Roman days, several days before he would come, a man would come through whose name was given the title of a herald. An H-E-R-A-L-D. That herald would come through whenever a king was getting ready to be born and he would go through the different provinces of the town in order to tell the people about the birth of this king that would one day rule and reign. Whenever that king would be born, that herald would go in and he would proclaim three things. The first thing he would proclaim, he would proclaim that king's pedigree. What had this king done to deserve to be king? That's what Matthew does when he writes. That's what this first chapter is all about. He's giving the line from Abraham to David, from David to Babylon, from Babylon all the way to Jesus Christ. The second thing a herald would do is he would give this king's petition. What is it this king is wanting? What is it this king is declaring? What is it this king is wanting to get across? When did Matthew do that? He did that in chapter number 3 and 4 whenever John the Baptist stands up and he declares, Behold, the, the end of the world is at hand. Repent. That is what Jesus had come to do, that these people were going to have to turn their heart because the king was on the way. The third thing that the king would do, or that Herod would do for the king, is he would make a proclamation. What is the reign of this king going to be? What is the reign of this king going to symbolize? When did Matthew proclaim that? Whenever the king of kings was on the cross at Calvary. And the last thing he said before he bowed his head, It is finished. 
What did this king declare? He declared that the old way was done, the way of sin was done, and there was a new covenant that was going to be put in place. And Matthew gives that. But I want to show you something. Whenever Matthew opens up the book, he writes down the first name of Jesus Christ. And this morning, as we look at the names of Christmas, the first name that Matthew gives, he says, this is the book of Jesus Christ. There's a reason why God had that be the very first name. There are 12 names of Jesus that are listed in Matthew chapter number 1. 12 in the Bible is the number of government, authority. You see, what, what Matthew was trying to say is there's a new sheriff in town. There's a new king that's getting ready to come and rule. There's somebody that's getting ready to stand up and he's going to change the entire order. But yet whenever you read the entire book of Matthew, you'll find that there are 50 different names given for Jesus Christ. Why does that matter? Because 50 in the Bible is the number of jubilee. It's the number of excitement. Every 50 years in the nation of Israel, there would be a year of jubilee. And three things would happen during that year of jubilee. Number one, it would be a time of celebration. Joy would replace sadness. Happiness would replace where there had been all of the sorrow. You see, when Jesus came, He walked into a world filled with sorrow. He walked into a world filled with apathy. He walked into a world filled with torment and pain. But when Jesus was born, it was God's way of saying, let the party begin because now excitement can come back into a world where there was no excitement and joy can return where there was no joy. Ladies and gentlemen, this Christmas, you may not have a lot of money. You may not have everything you want. You may not be where you want to be in your home, in your business, in your marriage. But if you have Jesus Christ, you have it all. No, your home may be in shambles, but you got Jesus. You've got something to celebrate. Your children may have gone astray, but if you've got Jesus, you've got something to celebrate. It may be all breaking apart, but if you've got Jesus, you've got something to celebrate. That's what they would do in that year of Jubilee. The second thing the year of Jubilee would be, it would be a year of cancellation. Every 50 years, all debts were canceled in Israel. It was a way of everybody having a clean slate to start from. There's a whole lot of us that wish every 50 years we could get our debts canceled. Maybe we could be right in the middle of a mortgage. But here or there, the point is they wanted the people to know that your debts have been paid, not by man, but by God. When Jesus came, He came to wipe away, wash away the sin of the world. Ladies and gentlemen, today I stand here forgiven, clean, and pure. Not because of me, but because of Jesus Christ that has come into my life and canceled out all of my sin debt. The third thing that would happen in that year of Jubilee, it would be a year of commutation. Here's what would happen. You see, every place in the nation of Israel had what was called a city of refuge. And whenever there would be a city of refuge, it was given by God in case there was an accidental murder in Israel. An accidental killing. Maybe there was a farm accident or a traveling accident. So that the family could not seek justice, that slayer could flee to that city of refuge. But he had to stay there until the death of the high priest or 
until the year of Jubilee. And when the year of Jubilee came, he which was under the condemnation of death was freed and allowed to go home. Brothers and sisters, I'm a free man this morning. I've got Jesus in my soul and the devil has no authority over my life. If you are saved by the grace of Jesus Christ, not by the grace of Muhammad, not by the grace of Buddha, not by the grace of the Democratic Party, the Republican Party, the people in Raleigh or Washington or in Nashville or in uh, Greenville or in Columbia, wherever you're at, if Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life, you are free and under no condemnation of the devil. And today, it's not because of Tyler. It's not because of unspeakable joy. It's not because of your church. It's because of Jesus Christ. But of all the names that God could have ever given, why did he give the name Jesus Christ? I'll give you a few reasons today, and I hope that the name Jesus will bring you joy. I pray the name Jesus will bring you encouragement. And today, as you look at your Christmas tree, as you gather with your family, if you go to the house of God, if you sit in your home, I pray that Jesus Christ will ring in your heart. What are the three reasons that Jesus Christ is the most important name of Christmas? The first reason is this. The definition of that name is special. What does Jesus mean? When we name our kids in this culture, it doesn't really mean much. My name is Tyler. Do you know what Tyler means? It means tile maker. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen these hands, but they don't exactly work in pottery and in tile. My name does not represent my character. My name doesn't represent what my essence is. It wasn't like that in Bible days. In Bible days, what a person's name was, was indicative of their character. In the Old Testament, the name David, it means beloved by my father. What was David? David was hated by Jesse, but he was loved by his heavenly father. The name Manasseh, the king that caused Israel to go into captivity. The name Manasseh, it means forgotten by God. What was Manasseh? Manasseh was wicked. He was vile. His name represented his character. What does the name Jesus mean? The name Jesus means Jehovah is salvation. Everything about Jesus Christ was about salvation. Everything about Jesus Christ was about bringing salvation. The day he was born, he was born in order to bring salvation. The day he walked on the Sea of Galilee, he walked on the Sea of Galilee to bring Peter out of the muck and mire to bring salvation. Whenever he turned loaves and fish into a miracle, he did that in order to bring food and salvation to those people. When he looked at the Pharisees, and he called them a pit of vipers. It was so everybody knew that he, they were liars and he was the truth to bring salvation. And whenever he marched up that hill and got on that cross, that was about salvation. When he cried seven sayings from the cross, that was all about salvation. Whenever he looked up to his father and said, Father, why have you forsaken me? That was all about salvation. When he looked out and he said, I thirst, that was all about salvation. What was that about? 
He was saying, I thirst. You'll never have to thirst again because I've taken your thirst out of your body. Whenever he died and he said, it is finished. That was all about salvation. When he was laid in that tomb, he was laid in that tomb to bring about salvation. And when he came out victorious over death, hell, and the grave, it was all about salvation. Ladies and gentlemen, wherever you are, whatever you're dealing with, the skill and the scheme and the path of your life has been to bring you where you are today so that you can see that Jesus Christ is our salvation. I declare this. I'm not ashamed of this. I'm not afraid to say this, that there is no other way to heaven but through the name and person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't Buddha your way to heaven. You can't Islam your way to heaven. You can't homosexual your way to heaven. You can't marry your way to heaven. You can't abort your way to heaven. You can't give your way to heaven. You can't baptize your way to heaven. You can't get in a political party and get yourself into heaven. There is not but one way to heaven and that is through the blood of the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't earn your way there. You've got to bow at His feet and with faith in your heart say, forgive me, Lord, of my sins. I'm asking for you. And you go to Him as Savior because He is the Savior. Today, there's a lot of people that don't like me, but there's a lot of people that love me and I'm thankful for that. But I can't save one person. I can't save one single soul. But today, In this Christmas season, I make the declaration, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter what you are, Jesus Christ will save your soul. The second name, the second aspect of that name that I want you to think about is not just the definition of that name is special, but the consolidation of that name. What am I talking about? Go with me here for a second. That name Jesus, it's the first time that name appears In the New Testament. But in the Old Testament, the Hebrew version of Jesus has occurred many different times. The name Jesus or Yeshua, the Hebrew name, it occurs in three different places in the Old Testament. And each of those three different people, when you take each of them, you'll get the full picture of Jesus. Let me show you. The first time you see the Old Testament usage of Jesus, Yeshua, is in a man named Joshua. Yeshua. What was Joshua? Joshua was a conquering hero. When Moses could not bring the people across the river, Joshua could. When Moses could not get them into the promised land, Joshua could. You know, Jesus does what nobody else can do. What the Baptists can't do and the Methodists can't do and the Episcopalians can't do, Jesus can do. What your baptism can't do, Jesus can do. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, as Joshua was the Savior of Israel, so Jesus is the Savior of man. Number two, the second time you see that name, Yeshua, it's in a different version, but it's the same Hebrew word. It's in one of the prophets. His name is Hosea. The name Hosea is the Hebrew word Yeshua. What was Hosea? Hosea was a compassionate husband. Do you remember Hosea's wife? Her name was Gomer. And Gomer was the most unfaithful wife that ever could have been. 
But what did Hosea do? Every time she came back, he forgave her. Every time she ran, he went after her. Right now, there are thousands and tens of thousands of people that are listening to this message. Hear my voice. There is a God that wants you. There is a God that is running after you. You may be fleeing from God, but God is running as hard as He can after you. You may be listening to me right now. Hear me. You can't outrun God when God is running after you. The third time you see the name Yeshua in the Old Testament, it's in the book of Zechariah. And there is a man that stands up. His name is Joshua, the son of Josadak. What was Joshua? Joshua was the first high priest that stood up when the temple was rebuilt. So what was Joshua back there? He was the conquering hero. What was Hosea? The compassionate husband. What was Joshua the high priest? He was a caring high priest. What was the job of the high priest? The job of the high priest was to go into the presence of God and pray for the people. Do you know what God is listening to right now? Have you ever thought about that? Right now you're listening to hymns and you're listening to Christmas songs and you're listening to me and you're listening to the things going on around you. Do you know what God is listening to right now? He's listening to the voice of Jesus Christ, our great high priest. And do you know what Jesus is doing right now? He's praying for you. He's praying for you. He's praying for me. Right now in heaven, God is not listening to me and you. And I know we like to think that, but that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit takes our prayers and ushers them up to our high priest, the Lord Jesus. And Jesus takes them and talks to God about them as the go-between between us and God. You know, your mama may not come home for Christmas and your daddy may not be there for you and your kids may not come home. But Jesus is talking about you right now. You may not have a friend and you may not have a family member that will call you, but Jesus is talking about you right now. You may not have anybody in your life that's going to text you and wish you a Merry Christmas, but Jesus is talking about you right now. Jesus is the sweetest name that man has ever heard. Let your mind go back with me. Think about something right quickly. Back in the chasms of eternity past, whenever the plan of salvation was hatched in the mind of God, the second person of the Trinity looked at the first person of the Trinity that looked at the Holy Spirit and they said, We've got this plan. We're going to send you the second person of the Trinity. And you're going to go and you're going to walk and of all the things they could have named him. What did they name him? Jesus. Jesus is the sweetest name in the world. And this Christmas season... Wherever you are, 
And whatever you're dealing with, and whatever you're wrestling with, sometimes the greatest thing you can do is call upon the name of Jesus. Let's bow our heads right where you're at. You're there in that home with that phone watching us wherever you're watching us and you've never been saved. You've never asked the Lord to save you. You've been to church, but you hadn't been a long time. You've been baptized. I'm not asking you that. I'm asking you, have you ever called upon the name of Jesus? Have you ever had that moment where you said, Jesus, save me? Tyler, what do I do? Right where you are. You take that phone, that television, and I want you to kneel down where you are. And I want you to talk to God because God is listening. He wants to know, Jesus, are they turning to you? You must call upon the name of the Lord. You must ask God to save you. Tyler, what do I do? Right where you're at, I want you to ask God, say, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know I deserve to be in hell. But I'm asking you to forgive me. And Jesus, I'm asking you to save me. And right now, when you talk to God, He'll save you. I want to pray over you. Father, right now, wherever they are, let them know that you have saved them. And I pray, God, that you will draw them to yourself. Let them walk with you all of their days. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen.